0: Do you want to empower families and young people in your community? Then take the time to make a tax-deductible contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. The Coach Tate Foundation is dedicated to helping young people and their families in learning and passing on the kinds of life skills that we all need to succeed all too often we hear about kids and their families having encountered life's difficulties that could have been easily avoided by knowing better decision-making skills from anger management to money management to something as simple as learning to manage how we spend our time or how we use our job skills. Make a donation to the Coach Tate Fund. It'll help kids who need help and their families too. Make your contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. Get details at www.CoachTateFoundation.com And oh, by the way, thank you. May
1: the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Good morning. It's family time, and welcome back to Empower Family Radio broadcast and podcast. Today's topic is philanthropists on our pathway forward. Celebrating her story within his story. Biblical women of noble character. The first thing we want to do today is is clarify and understand charity versus philanthropy. The words charity and philanthropy are often used interchangeably, but there is a difference between the two. Charity is an empathetic response to an immediate crisis or need. Charity is how we show compassion for people displaced by natural disasters or support for victims of crime or violence. Charity is the spare change we leave in jobs so sick kids can get the medical help they need or the extra dollar we give to help people clean drinking water to villages in third world countries. Essentially, charity is the hands-on response to helping meet immediate needs like floods, food, shelter, medical care, and the like. Philanthropy is a more strategic process of giving that seeks to identify the root causes of systemic issues and make the world a better place by tackling society problems at their root. as Steve Gunderson, former president of the Council on Foundations, put it, quote, "Charity tends to be a short term emotional immediate response focused primarily on rescue and relief whereas philanthropy is much more long-term more strategic focused on rebuilding unquote basically charity and philanthropy both seek to accomplish the same outcome to address needs and make the world a better place but the method that philanthropic entities and charitable Entities each use to reach that outcome is different. Charity refers to the direct relief of suffering and social problems. Philanthropy systematically seeks out root causes of these issues and endeavors to find a solution. So which process of giving is ultimately better, charity or philanthropy? One would argue that permanent solutions to social problems can only come from strategic, large-scale, collaborative efforts. But the importance of immediate need-based giving during times of crisis and boots on the ground, organizations working to address urgent needs cannot be dismissed. Rather than try to make a value judgment on the best way to give, think about philanthropy and charity simply as two different approaches to solving the same problems. One isn't better or worse than the other. But instead, they are overlapping strategies that are equally essential to the nonprofit sector. Whether you choose to give directly to urgent needs through charity or you prefer a more strategic approach to your giving, that will impact long-term solutions. The most important thing to keep in mind is that neither philosophy nor charity are limited to the wealthy. We can all think critically about the needs of our community and then endeavor to use our individual skills and resources to make what a difference in our local communities. Now, listeners, let's take a quick commercial break, and when we return, we'll learn about a few women philanthropists in the Bible who served Jesus and his disciples. Stay tuned.
0: Power your family with the dynamic new book by Francina Hallruss, our sixth sense and purpose, the power in knowing who you are. It's the book that gives you insights into life's problems. Francina Holrus is an author, motivational speaker, and national broadcaster who believes the answers to your problems lies within the knowledge that was once traditionally passed down by families. But that knowledge has been short-circuited by today's faster pace. The book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are, brings that accumulated wisdom to the problems that all families face. You'll Find your copy of Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are at Amazon and at better bookstores. Empower your life with the dynamic new book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are by Francina Holrus.
1: Welcome back, listeners. Now, let's not take these women who served Jesus and the 12 disciples. These female disciples of Jesus followed him and financially supported him and the 12 disciples. Not only that, they stuck with him to the cross and remained with him when all the others fled. Who were these women, and what can we learn from their example? The Gospel of Luke tells more stories about women than any other Synoptic Gospels. In fact, Luke's first letter to Theophilus contains 23 stories that never ever mention any other Gospels. In chapter 8, we meet a group of women who considered their high status less than important in contrast to the blessing of being able to serve alongside Jesus. Luke 8, 1 through 3. These patronages of Jesus' ministry weren't just following. They were actively involved in his ministry. In fact, the word used for their activity in Greek is the where we get our modern word deacon. They weren't just supporting Jesus with their finances. They were following him as disciples and ministering alongside him. Now, what do we know about these women? The first lady is Mary Magdalene, is mentioned by name 12 times in the Gospels, more than most of the apostles. More likely, she was a prominent woman and a leader. Every time her name is mentioned in a list of women, she is always first. Mary had a history of demon possession, maybe a brutal one, but Jesus healed her. And so deep was her gratitude that it seems she never left him, not even after
2: his death.
1: Second lady, Joanna. Joanna means God is generous. Her husband, Chazak, had a position of authority in Herod's household. And because people generally married someone of like social status, Joanna probably belonged to the prominent Jewish family that supported Herod as well. Since she was of high social status and out of place in Galilee, rural Galileans could have held her in contempt and rejected her. But it seems this was not the case and that this cohesive group of women work together to support Jesus' ministry, separation by class among them is never mentioned. Third lady is Susanna. Susanna is mentioned less often, but she was also likely from a prominent family and well-known. This may be the reason why her name is listed, rather than her being included in the group of, quote, many others, unquote. She was probably also part of the group that followed Joseph to Jesus's burial site, Luke 23, 50 through 56. Now, listeners, these women are an example of what it means to follow Jesus, to give freely, to join him on the mission. And though we didn't walk with Jesus in the flesh as they did, there are probably a lot of lessons we can learn from them today. And here are a few I want to share with you. Number one, show gratitude for how he has healed you Jesus was homeless and pitiless, but he did things for these women that their money couldn't ever buy. They became his loyal disciples and used their worldly wealth to express their gratitude and further his ministry. Number two, use the resources you've been given to continue the work of Jesus. Jesus and his disciples traveled together for three years, and they left behind fishing nets and collection booths, sources of income, to do it. Jesus didn't make miraculous meals out of loaves and fishes every time his disciples needed to eat. The Bible only mentions him doing this a couple of times. Instead, he let the women meet the needs of the group. Jesus had great expectations for his disciples, and he told them so. This is what he said. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works then these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in his Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it, John fourteen twelve through 14. And number three, use your giving as a way to stay close to God. Meeting the needs of Jesus and his traveling companions probably wasn't the primary reason the women traveled with him, it seems clear that they were devoted to Jesus. Given their money, their possessions, their time, their influence, and service were always they stayed by his side. Like so many others, they just wanted to be near him. And in spending so much time with him, they learned his ways, learned from his teaching, and saw how he responded to people. They learned how to be like Jesus. And day by day, as these women of means and nobility worked Alongside the rural Galileans, their identity was no longer defined by their wealth or status. It was the fact that they had been with him that marked them. Luke 23, 55. Number four, listeners, stay with him until the end. These women followed Jesus from Galilee to Jerusalem. They didn't leave when it became inconvenient or even dangerous. They never left him, nor even after his death. Apart from Mary Magdalene, the gospel writers don't remember these ladies often. In fact, Susanna is never mentioned again by that name. But we know there were many women who stayed with him since ministering in Galilee. Mark 15, 40 through 41. These women were Jesus' friends. He was dead, and they still weren't going anywhere. He rose, and they were there waiting for him. Listeners, we're all called to abide with him, John 15, and we will be blessed immeasurably if we wait for him until he returns, Luke 12, 35 through 40. Amen. Now, listeners, let's take a quick commercial break, and when we
2: return, you'll hear more of my conversation with Demetrius Mamarivas. Stay tuned. To everybody that enjoyed this podcast, order your book today. It's called Secrets and Protection Strategies for National Security by Francina Hallers. The book comes in two forms, a soft cover, and you can also download the Audible so you can listen to it at any time of the day. Make sure you go to amazon.com and order today. This is a must for everybody. Hello, Francina, how are you doing today?
1: Good morning, Demetrius, doing fabulous and hope you are today.
2: I'm doing great. You know, I'm so excited about this topic today called philanthropy. It's something that a lot of people are kind of wondering how you do it. And- and uh, your philanthropy that you're doing and what's kind of going on and how you started. It's so exciting to hear you talk about your philanthropy and kind of take us through the process and why you decided to be a philanthropist and where it's taken. And and I don't even think a lot of people know what philanthropy is. So if you can kind of elaborate on some of those things. And we're going to have an awesome talk today about it because people are wondering and excited about this.
1: Well, thank you for this opportunity, Demetrius, to share. Uh, my story on uh, philanthropy, and uh, I want to extend an special celebration and gratitude for all the women out there during this uh, uh, Women's History Month in Me Street. We're telling her story, and certainly I am one of those women who has a story to share. And uh this is one of uh one of the topics very dear to my heart is philanthropy. And uh as you know, the Coach Tate uh National Education Athletic Association Corporation, which is doing business as Coach Tate Foundation, is the official nonprofit charity that I founded in two thousand and ten. Uh, to codify all of the ways that we've been traditionally promoting the welfare of others through, you know, donation of money, property, and services. And so uh, we have learned a lot uh, to be a philanthropist, and uh, that is, to promote the welfare of others. That's all it is, is you want to see a better world and get to the root cause of so much need for charity and food and poverty. Why do we need so much charity and philanthropy? And so we look at the root cause, Demetrius, and which is reflective in Coach Tate, the sports arts and music. It's more than sports arts and music and the programs, the core issue for philanthropists is you look at the long-term solution the root cause of what's what's causing this unrest and put a uh, model Hmm. together that's long-term and and addresses that. And I believe we can see a better society if we all take on that philanthropic outlook for the next generation.
2: Well, that's amazing. Now, there are a lot of people out there that are doing some great things with philanthropies. Um, You know, I think a lot of the... uh, the wealthy people all, all have kind of some type of philanthropy. Uh, how does somebody kind of get started in something like this? Because I know that a lot of people out there that are, are wondering, you know, I like to be a philanthropist. You know, they stuff on excuse me, on TV or on the Internet or on the, uh, hear something on the radio they're like, you know, that's something that I could do, but I don't even know how, how to go about uh, getting started. Like, what do I do? Well, it starts with a passion in your heart, Demetrius.
1: Uh, it, it, that's my initial reaction, but there are ways that you can determine traits of people that have a passion for their purpose in living every day. And one of the key traits, That we can begin to look for in ourselves. We've got to look in the mirror because philanthropy starts from the inside and manifests on the outside of us. And so, the first thing I think uh, to answer that question is people like me and philanthropists, we show selfless concern for the welfare of others and we venture out to alleviate those struggles without, and this is the key, Demetrius, without seek, if anything, for our own personal benefit. And, and that is one of the key characteristics that one can start to evaluate about themselves in their daily living and giving. And uh, because true philanthropy uh, actions are done without expectation of compensation or recognition of one's efforts. And I know you alluded to that in some of the corruption that Uh, you've encountered in in the uh, industry in how folks are misusing uh, this opportunity to do good for our fellow man.
2: Oh yeah, there's so much uh, negative stuff out there and and that's why I'm so excited about this philanthropy that you're doing. And now um, the Coach Tate Foundation uh, sounds like to me, and you can tell all your listeners and followers, that it kind of goes hand in hand. Is that correct? I think it does.
1: Yes, it does, it does. Uh, And oftentimes we, as we grow up and we live our lives, we get labeled into one category or another. But one of the fundamental tenets in my life story is I'm a people, passionate, purpose uh, individual and uh, i always advocate on the on the behalf of others so in the for profit business and my father passed away in 2010 we encumbered and codified and, and put an infrastructure in place for the non business and one of the key elements is is you have to be empathetic uh you have to understand what the needs of others really are and do what's in your power to help bring that struggle to some type of uh, balanced scale in the communities in which you live. And you can't be self-serving. And so Coach Tate Foundation is a Is an example of my philanthropic effort since 2010. And as you know, Demetrius and some of our, a lot of our colleagues in sports, arts, and music, uh, it's one thing to have the camps and the hula and the hoop rods, but it's another thing to dig down into the deep uh, when they go home, what they're dealing with and what the lack and the need is in our communities that isn't often uh, discussed outside of sports, arts, and music. Does that make sense?
2: It does. And, um, okay, I know you've done a lot of stuff in the past. What does the next phase of your philanthropy look like? Like, where is it headed? Is it a global thing? Is it kind of like local? Uh, People kind of want to know about that as well.
1: Well, the Coach Tate Foundation is national, even in its name, the Coach Tate National Education Athletic Association Corporation, it's just what it said. Our organization uh, is, is a philanthropic. We're looking at the long term. We've built an infrastructure to encumber the family-based unit in every impoverished community in our nation. And this model is uh, a family-community-oriented model for the least amongst us. This is not a rodeo drive model, and this is where we have received, as you know much input from the communities themselves in order to codify a, a model that works for the people, not one that works for coach kate and and we we've identified the franchise model because the same issues in the black and indigenous communities in North Carolina and Florida and South Carolina are the same in Detroit and Chicago. So this is a step forward as we come together, Demetrius, and understand the real work of a philanthropist. And the key of all of this with Coach Tate Foundation is we've been able to uh, amass partners and colleagues like yourself and others who have the same passion. It's bigger than themselves, and that's what Coach Tate Foundation is. It's bigger than me. I am just one of the tools to set the platform for others to participate in this pay it forward model.
2: Now, um, I know with your time, you're doing a lot of things. You got a couple books out there, you're running a profit uh, organization and the Coach Tate, which is a nonprofit, how do you kind of manage your time with your philanthropy to do these things? Because it sounds like there's so much going on, but so much little time to do everything. Is that correct or am I wrong?
1: Well, I think that's an interesting point you raised. And I believe uh, to answer that question, it's an evolution uh, of your life where you begin to prioritize. And that dictates your time and how wise you use your time towards your goal. And so, the the answer to your question for Francina and the Coach State Foundation, all the things you see out there and that we've done over the years, and it's a journey, it's a process. And uh, today we have uh, codified all of that into one bowl of just goodies for the next 25 to 50 years. And it involves the Coach State Foundation, all of my work in security and things that we've talked about over the past We have now codified that model under the Coach Tate Foundation so we can reach a broader audience within our communities, uh, particularly our our rural disenfranchised communities. And the uh, other aspirations all tie in together, the broadcasting, I'm writing books uh, and publishing, speaking, I, I take specific speaking engagements when it relates to the vision. So all of our work uh-huh. is, is focused on steps that it takes to get to the outcome of the vision. And one of the key elements, Demetrius, as you know, it, it's bigger than me. It takes a team of high-minded, social, conscious individuals who can think beyond themselves and greed and address. The need in our society. Oh, that's
2: awesome. I know you spoke about the book and we kind of mentioned it. Um, I know one of your books is called Our Sixth Sense and Purpose and um, I've read it actually, but can you explain, Is are there philanthropy, um, is there philanthropy information in the book that people can kind of read and understand and get the information that they want? Is that in that book as well?
1: Yes, it is. It's sharing my story and everybody has their own story. Uh, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power of Knowing Who You Are, is is a beginning of my story. And uh, it captures philanthropy at its core from childhood on up to adulthood. And everybody's journey and pathway forward is different. And I shared my story, Demetrius, and I'm so glad to have so uh, many readers and, and feedback. Uh, and and, uh, supporters such as yourself that can see themselves in my story and begin to craft their own story in their daily lives. And it's an ongoing uh, story, so it never ends. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak more about our Sixth Sense and Purpose and encourage our listeners to purchase the copy and make it a part of their uh, personal library.
2: Yeah, we have a few more minutes, but I'm just so excited. To be part of anything that you're doing, actually, because you teach and you show and you explain things. at such a simple level that uh, that's what they said, teach at a a third grade level so people can understand it. Some of these things out there get so confusing and the way you do it is so phenomenal. And I like to just throw that out there as well. But as the director, executive director of the Coast state Foundation, you can actually Find out information about philanthropy with the Coach Tate Foundation at foundation.com. And um, we're going to kind of wrap this up. And Francine, if you want to add anything to the listeners, how they can kind of get a hold of you, um, any questions that they might have, uh, if you want to add that little glass nugget for them, that'd be great. We can wrap this up.
1: Well, thanks, Demetrius. And uh, I'd like to share uh, for our listeners who are assessing and doing their homework, uh, a few key tenets that we as philanthropists, so you can begin to identify your story, is uh, number one is that we are uh, artistic people. We show selfless concern for the welfare of others without uh, anything, gaining anything personal. And number two, uh, we are empathetic. Uh, philanthropists tend to be empathetic toward the struggles of others. And number three, we have a heightened social awareness. We uh, philanthropic people tend to have a great awareness of our surroundings. And uh, number four is we are farsighted. We have people who, we are people who want to make a positive change in the world. We tend to look way into the future. And number five is we are politically involved in order to make structural changes in our society. It's also necessary for us as philanthropists to advocate for political change. Number six is we are issue-oriented. We seek specific causes to support rather than organizations. And number seven, and final, we are business-minded. Many philanthropic people like myself and yourselves, we look at our contributions as investments in society and the economy. And the Coach Tate Foundation is a prime example. Let's get involved. Francina Tate hall you can go to my website, www.francina.com, and engage. Thank you, Demetrius, for this time.
2: Oh, thanks so much. and We're out of time. Um, if you want to reach me directly, Executive Director for the Coast State Foundation, 904-234-6970, and you have a great day. Ladies listening, are you ready and prepared to lead by
1: example today for our next generation? How can we lead others? when we cannot lead ourselves. The transfer of wealth from the wicked in you to the righteous in you. The first shall be last within you, and the last shall be first within you. God will transfer the wicked ways you are using for your wealth now to the righteous way. And whatever you have as first in your life now will become last in you. Listeners, what does your philanthropy look like, sound like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? feel like, and sense like, are you paying attention? The closing poem is entitled Full Circle, and it reads as such. This is work in progress, a new generation paying homage. This is full circle to who came before us. Giving back like ancestors gave back to our community, for philanthropy is weighed in different ways than those of the European kind of standard. This seed was planted before landing on these shores. This is custom tradition, culture preserved. Now, the next generation will continue the legacy of creating our own support system with the intention of being my brother's keeper. We are sold giving the mind time for family. We have always cared for one another by using our hands, creating opportunities for the love of humankind, for giving backtakers treasure, talent, and time. We are the spirit of black folk dipped in tradition. So listen to the ancestors so the future will know the correct story. They, we, us are the root, reclaiming the truth, spreading generosity toward the future, led by example. In turn, our work comes
2: full circle.